Learn more about the albums you love with Dissect, a music analysis podcast hosted by me, Cole Kushner, a lifelong musician. Each season of Dissect dives deep into one album, examining the music, lyrics, and meaning of one song per episode. We've covered albums by Kendrick Lamar, Tyler the Creator, Frank Ocean, just to name a few, and our brand new season just launched all about Radiohead's 2007 masterpiece, In Rainbows. Listen to Dissect on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts, because great art deserves more than a swipe. Welcome back to What About Your Friends, a podcast dedicated to the many lives of friendship and how it's portrayed in pop culture. This week's episode is something special as I'm joined with my old friend, Kasim Famayudi, and my co-host, BFF, Steven Othello. And we are talking NBA friendships as the season is about to start. First of all, how's your guys' heart? Kaz, I don't oh. know if you know, but we, we start with this question every, every episode. Wow, that's such a nice question to start off a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's very thoughtful. Um, my heart feels fluttery. I'll say that. What? My heart feels fluttery. I love that. Yeah. What's, why? I mean, uh, tell me everything. My love of my life is 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 doing great. Um, my little girl is doing great. It's the fall. It's my favorite season. Sweater weather. Sweater sure. weather, you know, I'm on the East Coast, so you know, it's, it's, you, I got to start really dressing, dressing. But. Facts, facts. <laughs> but nah, man, it's, it's my favorite time of the year. It's the fall, basketball season tipping off, lots of pro wrestling happening. Check out, listen to the Mass Man Show on the Ringer Podcast Network. Um, yes. And uh, football's on, like, it is a guy's time. And add to the fact that, you know, it's just a, it's a beautiful time of the year. So my heart feels <laughs> fluttery, Erica. I love it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> How dope, about you, Steven? Uh, I feel, I feel, uh, my heart feels warm, I would say. I love all these adjectives. Yeah, don't know. The weather is great right now in New York. Y'all made it through the flooding? Yeah, and then this is, now it's like sunsets and fucking rainbows. It's beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) A word. Yeah, it feels good out here. Um, I feel good. It's the first of the month. Life is good right now. Oh, and happy, happy birthday. Happy birthday. Oh, to me? Happy yeah, belated you. birthday? Yeah, <laughs> Oh, my God. I missed your birthday. Exactly. Right? It's okay. Oh, uh, happy thank birthday. You. Thank you. Let's let's not talk about age and birthdays right now. <laughs> um, so I've been watching basketball, well, specifically the Lakers since I was a kid because of my my dad and my, my brothers. Um, but I still consider myself like a beginner when it comes to the game. But what I'm sure of is how much I love the pettiness and the friendship between players. Like being on Twitter and listening to everyone's take when shit goes down between players is my favorite. But also, of course, like the love because this is me. But I feel like there's a difference of dynamic between friendships when you're in sports. So there's like, right, rivals turn friends. There's frenemies. There's longtime friends that stood the test of like trades. How do y'all feel about these types of friendships? Like the friendships that are friends with someone you play a sport with? Oh man. I mean, I, I've never I've never played to the level of professional basketball, but I, I played up until college and I know just how much the um the camaraderie of friendship legitimately helps the product on the court. Not everybody can be the 20 point scorer and not everybody could be the point guard and if you want success a lot of times you got to kind of sacrifice and i think it's a great metaphor for life uh, especially in 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 work and and with your friends and your family you know if it's a business relationship and you guys just kind of punch in and punch out then maybe you're not going to 
dive on the floor for a loose ball or step in front of a six foot eight, 240 pound dude with a 40 inch <laughs> vertical yeah. or, you know, try and, uh, you know, none of that stuff. And then that all that all that stuff sort of requires sacrifice. But in the NBA, I think, Erica, you just mentioned how uh, watching the pettiness on social media, we live in this sort of once in a generation time right now where we see so much of what goes on uh, between the relationships of uh, our star athletes because of social media and just because of, you know, the lens of how popular sports is now. I'd say this. I feel like since we're kind of in the LeBron era, I think he was the first person, I guess, in my generation that has really put on front street about his relationships within the NBA and, and how his friendships really affected the places he played at, the teammates he signed, his control, being one of LeBron's homies has his benefits, right? Like, <laughs> you know, where's where's the careers of Chris Bosh and Dwayne Wade and, uh, you know, the, the relationships they sparked up in Team USA for Olympic basketball if LeBron, Wade, and Bosh and Melo and the whole banana boat crew aren't kicking it super hard, you know, not just before those games or after. It legitimately changed the entire trajectory of the league. And I think the way LeBron sort of sparked it off, uh, you know, he he helped influence the entire era that we're in where everybody feels like not only do you want to play with good players, but you would like to play with good players who are also your friends and build that chemistry. So it's it's always interesting, man. Like, that's why there's a million talking head shows every day talking about yes. the dynamics between basketball players. It's the same topic, but all different perspectives. Yeah. But yeah. How, how do you feel, Steven? I feel like... um when I think about friendship in the NBA, my first thought is like Isaiah and like Magic. Mm. They were like best friends growing up. You know what I'm saying? In the NBA, they like were thick and thin. You know what I'm saying? They was always together. It was a lot of love. They they would kiss on right and you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like on right before they start the game, and the next thing you know, they hated each other. Yeah. Even even I remember that. That was even a controversial thing. They would dap each other up and kiss each other on the cheek right. before. Every game. And, you know, th those are two Midwest guys, you know, exactly. Isaiah yeah, from yeah. Chicago, <laughs> Magic from Michigan. You know what I mean? And uh, yeah, their whole their whole friendship was really interesting to sort of follow throughout the years, too. Exactly. And then even, you know, then I then I thought about the one that, you know, people don't talk about in the NBA, which is like Katino Mobley and uh, Steve Francis mm. and the Houston Rockets and how close they were and how it made so many people uncomfortable on the team. You know what I'm Why? saying? It was like. It was interesting. It was like, I don't think people ever seen friendship in that way. They lived next to each other. Like they, <laughs> when Catino got traded, shit broke Steve Francis's heart. You know what I'm saying? Word. And I, and I, and I speak to the LeBron stuff. You, you mentioned Catino Mobley and Steve Francis. That was probably maybe three or four, five years before LeBron really entered the league. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, it was kind of looked down upon to be, like, extra friendly with, Absolutely. you know, not just your opponents, but even your teammates to a certain degree. You know, everybody sort of mythologizes, like, you know, Michael Jordan's cutthroat attitude with his teammates and his friends and doing what anything it takes to win and stuff like that. And I think LeBron was the first person of that stature, of that, definitely of that uh, level of ability uh, that I've ever seen that really, you know, showed that it could be done differently, right? Like you can, and I think, you know, he caught a lot of flack. He, he cats a lot of barbs for that because anytime people want to compare him to Mike and there's certain situations that, you know, talking heads believe that a 
a cutthroat attitude is the only way to, you know, be a, a killer, assassin, a sniper, all these type of things. Like, LeBron isn't that, man. Like, he is much more of a, you know, uh, I'll bring you up with me out, as opposed to a guy that will just, like, be ruthless in his approach, yeah. you know? That makes LeBron's me think of ruthless. how... That makes me think of how anytime like his teammate or a teammate's on the ground, like he believes you got to just still like help them up. Right. Where mm-hmm. like I used to wonder why not everyone does that. <laughs> but also like I feel like this need for oneness as a team, sometimes I don't know what you guys think, but like usually it's on the vets or stars to kind of set this tone of togetherness and like mm-hmm. mentor the young players. But I don't know if you guys, what you guys feel about that, of, like who sets the tone with this like oneness as a team, I know you guys mentioned some players, but, and also like, what if it isn't followed? Like what if other players don't really want to do have that cutthroat mentality? Well, I'll say this. I mean, I think uh, as far as who sets the tone, it, it depends where you at, you right. know, like, you know, there's certain franchises where you're never be bigger than the franchise. San Antonio. Like, San Antonio, you know, the new England Patriots, the Dallas Cowboys, like the Lakers, the Celtics, like no matter how good you are, even LeBron being a Laker right now, as great and as popular as he is, like he is not bigger than the Lakers. When he's in Cleveland, he's definitely bigger than the Cavs. Absolutely. When he's a member of the Miami Heat before Heat culture became a thing, him and Wade were the franchise. And, you know, those are the type of people that sort of like set the set the sort of character of the team. I would say, you know, in my in my very minimal uh basketball playing. Uh, history uh, as compared to like professionals and whatnot, the little things like that, the little things like helping up your teammate when they fall, slapping them on the ass after a free throw or, you know, being encouraging and knowing that your team is only as good as its weakest link. So you want to always make sure you're bringing everybody up and not just saying, well, I'm just going to put the team on my back and just do what I got to do. Granted, it works for some. Like, we've seen it with certain people where they're just like, all right, like, if you're not going to ride with me, I'm just going to drag y'all by y'all neck and we will get there mm-hmm. together. You know what I mean? Like, Kobe was very popular with that. That was like LeBron in, in uh, Cleveland, like his first finals. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. He yeah. Like that, the team. I, I, would, I would almost say not just that finals, but even when he came back to Cleveland where I think Kyrie was hurt one finals and Kevin Love was hurt one finals. And, like, you know, your best option is Matthew Dellavedova. And I would say this, man, like in many other instances, if that if LeBron's personality was much more of an assassin, I can't win with these guys. I got to do everything in my power. The Cavs probably get swept in that first series. Right. Like, but I feel I truly believe his personality and his ability to, to instill belief into people who aren't up to his skill level is the reason why he's been able to do this for like 21 years now. You know, it's it's very much a personality trait that is his his highest skill that is outside of just his mentality and his physical, you know, gifts that he's been given by God. I do believe that mentally having that ability to do that for people is a skill that you can't teach. Right. I would even, I would even say like, um, you know, just watching like LeBron, Mav and and Rich Paul, you know, and all of them, like the, the, the four horsemen just in general, it's like, I never seen that in, in the NBA. Ever. We, we haven't. I mean, they, they started it. Right? Yeah, you, you, like, care, you care about the basketball play, obviously, but you never think about like the homies. Right. And, yeah. you know, seeing Mav, you know, intern at Nike when he got his deal at Nike or, you know, Rich started out selling jerseys. And then next thing you know, 
he's an agent. You know, it's I, I like think, I think everybody who knows somebody who makes it has that story of all right, we're all gonna make it. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. I don't think we've seen it work as well as it has with LeBron and the people he came up right. with. Right, and, like, and they all best friends. They all, you know, most of them came. They 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 grew up together in Akron, and to see them together, even the relationship he has with his his, his team, his high school team. Yeah, like yeah. and we, you know, you have seen that in documentaries. Like those, they still all cool. They still all work together in in some um form. And I just think like Le- that's why I really love LeBron. And I always say that I'm like, yo, you can tell how, you know, successful someone is based off the team he's around. You know mm. what I'm saying? How they're doing. Cause the, you know, like I'm I'm in music, right? The artist is always fucking lit, right? right. But then it's like when you see the manager and the homies and everybody's eating. They can't and, put two pennies together, right? Oh uh, yeah, but like <laughs> if everybody's eating and everybody's building and you know, they all collaborating together, like like Kanye when Kanye first came in with Don and everybody, it's like mm-hmm. you able to see like success. It it expires, um, you know, people growing, kids growing up, and in, in different ways. Like, yo, I, I might can't be the uh, the basketball player, but I can be the agent. You know, what I'm saying I can be the manager. We can we can negotiate deals together. And it's that same belief. It's that same belief that he instills to people on the court, where exactly. it's like, yo, I could go and hire the best agents or the best, the the most experienced agents, or whatever. But I trust my boy that I grew up with, or I trust my, you know, my manager to 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 to, to get that ten percent. Like, exactly. why do I got to get that ten percent to somebody who's got a million other guys, and I'm just another name in the in the in the record sheet, you know? So. I think that's really his probably his best trait, his ability to lift up the the people around him. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned like the the players that do need to be led a little bit more, and I thought of the Shaq documentary where Shaq was actually talking about his relationship with Kobe and when he just wasn't giving it a hundred percent, and Kobe was mad frustrated. <laughs> um, and I feel like that's the one almost like frenemies friendship that I could mm. think of. But Stephen made a face. You don't think it's frenemies? No, I, I don't think in that moment it was frenemies. I think he was just like, it was this poor performance in his mind and he yeah. was striving for excellence. But I don't think they were frenemies in that moment. I think eventually they got there. But I think, you know, when when the Kobe and and and, and uh, Shaq dynamic came together, it worked. Like, you know, because I think the, the minute it didn't work is when Kobe tried to be better than Shaq, meaning like I'm the leader of this team. Right. And it's like outshining the master in a sense. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. No, I watched I watched the 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 Shaq documentary and this is this is interesting because this is on Shaq's side. Like of it's course. like yeah. his it's his point of view. And I mean, I guess with hindsight being 2020, around that time, Kobe's what, 23 years old, 22 yeah. years old, super young, got like two chips under his belt already. And you know, he's I think everybody knows his work ethic has become like the stuff of legend now, right? Mm-hmm. Like every all-star, every player that's played with him, you know, in this generation and the generation before has always has a, a Kobe working out story. Like, oh, I got up at 3 a.m. <laughs> and and I heard the ball bouncing and then there was Kobe and getting shots up like after the game, right? So you could, you could placate that with your teammate, Shaquille O'Neal, who gets all the MVPs, gets all the adulation. He's the most dominant center. And through his own admission, was lazy. Like in the summertime, like he's 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 partying. You know what I mean? He's putting all weight. He's living the Shaq Diesel life, and just knowing, you know, I, I think there was even something with like his foot. 
and he could have yeah, got the his, surgery. Yeah, his toe, I think, right? It was, it was his like, toe. Yeah. yeah. Like, he could have got, like, a toe surgery earlier in the season. And it was basically like, I'm going to wait until the beginning of training camp so I could, like, heal through the season. And now you look at Kobe, who's younger than this dude, probably more athletic, who's working his ass off, who's trying to be like Michael Jordan, and probably takes it as disrespect. And right. I could understand why they they clashed, right? Like, these are two guys who are alpha males and, you know, at the end of the day, basketball is all about what you do when the lights aren't on. It's all about what you're doing when, you know, when people aren't watching you. And, you know, knowing that Kobe was putting in that level of insane work to be at the top of his game. And Shaq was basically just relying on what God gave him, being super athletic, seven feet tall, 300 pounds, dunked everything. You know, it's it's... You could see why they clashed, you know, and, and even that they still managed to win three NBA championships like while this whole thing was happening. And as wild as it is, as much as, you know, people mythologize Kobe Bryant's ability to kind of block people off, sort of be a, a, a loner in a sense and just do whatever it took to win or be the best. I could only imagine, like, what if Kobe or Shaq had different sort of personality traits where they ended up just working things out and staying together for four or five more years? Like, could the Lakers have won six championships, seven championships? Could, could we, could they have, it was very possible, you know? Like, but it's it's always interesting, man. Like, that's the beauty of sports. Like, everything on the court is numbers and skills and heights and stats and all that type of stuff. But like 80% of what happens on the court is all in between the ears and how people, you know, relate to one another on the court because it's all about managing relationships and managing, you know, people. It's a people business. So the Kobe Shaq thing has always been mega interesting to me, definitely. Do you think do you think it started out as a friendship or was it like a mentor? Men- not wouldn't say he was like a mentor, but definitely Shaq had the leadership role at the Lakers, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. When Kobe came in. So do you think that it shifted when Kobe realized that he was lazy? You know what I'm saying? I mean, <laughs> possibly, possibly. I could never speak for him, but you know, at the same time, you know, you got to remember they, they came in at the same time that, that 96 summer, they traded for Shaq from the Orlando magic. And then they drafted Kobe or through a trade through the Charlotte Hornets. And, you know, this is back at a time where like high school kids, going into the league was a very rare thing. Kobe might have been, what, the third or fourth dude to do it? I think he was right after KG. And, um, you know, with with Kobe, I don't necessarily think there was there was there were enemies, you know? I just think that Kobe just had a different level of hunger, man. Like, he just had a... I think if Kobe took on Shaq's personality as, ah, you know, I'm talented, we're good... We got the most dominant dude with the Lakers, we're LA, you know what I mean? We'll be fine. You know, I don't think we talk about Kobe as an all-time great. We probably talk about it in the same vein we sort of talk about Shaq, where incredibly dominant for his era, like one of the, one of the best centers of all time, one of the best players of all time. Could he have been better? Yes. I think everybody who has watched him is like, as great as Shaq was, if he if he took on Kobe's personality as far as like not messing around, being in the gym taking care of his body, taking care of the surgery, doing all that type of stuff. I could say that, but I'm not seven foot one to 300 pounds. I don't know what having a bad toe feels like. But one could always, I don't think anybody looks at Kobe's career and being like, oh, he could have been better. Yeah. Because Kobe took 
every advantage he needed to be the best player he could ever, he could possibly be. And if that meant going at Shaq and telling him he's being a lazy piece of shit and he right. can't, you know <laughs> what I mean? Like get his shit together. Like that's what he had to do. That was Kobe's personality. So, I mean, that's, that's what Kobe, the Mamba mentality, whatever you call it. Like that's what it was. That's what separated him from everybody else. Yeah. That also makes me think of that, like, now popular storyline of when Jordan had to go get uh, Rodman from, like, Vegas. Was it Vegas? <laughs> yes, with Carmen Electra. Yeah, to bring him in. <laughs> was it to bring him to practice, right? Because yes. he just wasn't. And, you know, it reminds me of, like, you know, you guys, or as you mentioned, of, like, sometimes you just have to grab people, grab your teammates. Uh, I don't know how many times that had to happen, but that just made me think of, of that dynamic. But I feel like also... The Last Dance was one of those documentaries that made me also think about all these friendships and frenemies, especially frenemies. Uh, of course. Uh, just because of the infamous frenemy that Jordan had. But how did you guys feel about like the portrayal of friendship within that documentary? I love that that example you, you put out about Rodman because, you know, Rodman was, in many words, a very different individual. But he was indispensable to that to that Bulls team. He's one of the greatest rebounds rebounders ever, one of the greatest defenders ever. You know, earlier in this conversation, I'm talking about people who played their roles and knowing you need that to, to make a great team. I don't think anybody in the history of the NBA played their role more than Dennis Rodman did. And in that in that last doc, last dance documentary, you know, he 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 blatantly goes up to Phil and he's like, "Listen, man, I need a I need a break. I need to I need to go and remember that. Yeah, I need to go and just get my fixing." And he was like, "Yo, you got twenty four hours to go yeah. do you." <laughs> and as far as managing personalities, that's Phil's job, right? Like right, right. that Phil just couldn't be, you know, the 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 stone cold, just straight up disciplinarian for everybody. He couldn't treat Michael the same way he treated, uh, you know, Steve Kerr. Treat Steve Kerr the same way he treated Dennis Rodman because they're all different people. And knowing that Dennis needed that 24 hours to go be Dennis and do Dennis <laughs> things yeah. uh, was inconsequential for that team. You know what I mean? So it's it's funny. And, and I love that documentary. It's always a great uh, inspiring watch to watch when I need a little extra juice uh, to, to get inspired <laughs> about something. But man, that team and just the NBA in general could teach you a master's class on managing personalities, uh, you know, from Scotty and MJ all the way down to the last dudes on the bench and the coaches and the GMs. You know, everybody's to, to make something that successful work for that long with, you know, uh, uh, the greatest talent we've ever seen in a sport, you have to be able to, you know, manage personalities in a way that we're all pulling towards the same goal. One thing I've learned in, in you know, being able to cover the NBA more and just learning more about the league and just meeting more NBA players is... <laughs> Not everybody gets along, right? Like right. In, in, mm. in actuality, most people don't get along in the NBA. But, you know, you have to, you know, in most cases, if you're all moving towards a specific goal, you are basically signing a contract with yourself that I'm willing to sacrifice this part of my personality or how I feel about this person in order to get the ultimate goal. Now, whether that's you getting the big fat paycheck, whether that's a championship ring, whether that's winning a few games and you won no games last year, like whatever your goal is, you have to be able to manage personalities to get towards that. And I, I, I always find it interesting, the teams that make it work when people don't get along at all. And I think that last dance is a perfect example of it. 
I feel like the 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 next last dance is gonna be something about the the Golden State Warriors. I don't right. know if it's gonna be called the, the last dance. It could be called like the first fight, the last fight. That's what it is. The last fight. Oh, but yeah, man. but I feel like uh, with Draymond and Jordan Poole, I feel like that last year's season was frenemies at its finest. Like yeah, we doing, saw it on camera. Yeah, like, yeah. But doing what it take <laughs> to like try to win a championship. Mm. But that's the wild part about it though, right? Because I watched that all season. It was the most, it was the most wildest season I've ever seen an NBA team have, right? Like they had just won the championship. Right. Like the 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 core is back together. Clay Thompson, who missed a bunch of seasons, was back and contributing. Steph was being Steph. And they got this new guy, Jordan Poole, who was just Hoopin. as important. Hooping. <laughs> yeah. One of those people. But, you know, in the, in the underbelly of this whole thing, right, you got Draymond Green, who was an inconsequential part of this dynasty, getting older, contracts about to run out, trying to get his last big payday. But you also got to pay this kid who, you know, is a new kid, but is probably going to speak to the future of your organization. And they get into a fight in, in training camp. Like after. That was not supposed to leak. Like that, that was not. To leak. Yeah, we were like, not supposed to know that. I feel like if we did not know that that happened, the season might have won it differently. To exactly, be and that's why it was so interesting. They had one of the best home records in the NBA and one of the worst road records in the entire league. Right, like they were damn near below five hundred. Anytime they had to leave. San Francisco to play basketball. <laughs> so you can imagine what it's like when you're on the road with teammates and you're not having those galvanizing moments with each other when it's just you against another city or another team or against the world. Like those are very important times. And if you're not taking that time in, you know, the middle of January when it's hella cold and you're in Milwaukee to get ready to play a Tuesday night game to get closer with people, like, yeah, you're going to see it happen on the court. And I think... However long it's going to take, whenever the full story comes out about this entire Warriors run and uh, the story that's being told, that's going to be so interesting just to see how that team that has been so locked in for the better part of the decade answered or, or, or attempted to defend their championship the next year in, in disappointing fashion, you know? So, and and it, in my opinion, and I think in the opinions of, of a lot of other people, it all had to do with friendships and, and, and per managing personalities and being able to, you know, have all that. Because they damn sure had, a, had the skill to repeat. That definitely had the skill to, you know, Steph Curry was playing, he played some of the best basketball of his life last season. But, you know, uh, that Draymond Jordan Poole incident changed the trajectory of not just that team, but I think the entire league, because it, you know it, now Jordan Poole's a member of the War uh, Washington Wizards. They paid Draymond Green a lot more money, and they kept him. And who knows if that's going to be something that ends up paying off for them or not? Because he is getting a little longer in the tooth, and he's not necessarily a guy who puts up numbers that that, you know, wow you like that. So who knows if in a year or two they look at that contract they gave him and it's like, why do we give this kid all this money when Jordan Poole's averaging 30 for the Wizards? And if they would have just got along, maybe it would have been a different story and they, they reel off some more championships. But that's that's what's interesting about it. I, I think it's because he, uh, Draymond's like the glue of the team. Yeah. In a sense. Definitely. And so I think he's the one that you would want to like get along with. I think he's like, takes the LeBron role right. of the, how LeBron is for the Lakers or any team he's on. I think Draymond is that. Outside of it just being like a, a good basketball player, it's like he's the one that's like communicating to Steph. Oh, he's to the Clay. ultimate teammate. He's Absolutely. the ultimate teammate. Like his entire game 
is making sure Steph and Clay get to go off. He's right. not worried about scoring. He's worried about defending the best player. Exactly. Being a playmaker, assisting, stepping like, on people, but yeah, stepping on <laughs> all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Proper <laughs> role, role play, and it's like it's like um, when you get into a fight with the, I guess would say I would say the glue of the team. It's kind of hard hmm. for it to stay together. If that makes sense, it's like yeah, you could tell it fractured the team somehow. Yeah. You could tell those people that was Team Jordan Poole, and they're like, hey, we got to pay this young kid who's probably going to be you know the next Splash Brother, or now we got to. Pay Draymond. This guy helped bring us three championships. He's been the the ultimate glue guy, like you said. So, you know, friendships are always interesting in the league because the team is so small. Like, it's big, but it's really six to seven guys that are doing almost everything for that franchise. And if that chemistry is off by just a little bit, you know, sometimes you don't reach the goals that you have for yourself in the beginning of the season. This episode is brought to you by eBay Authenticity Guarantee. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem. Sneakers and streetwear are so fresh, every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts, real people who love this stuff. With real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay authenticity guarantee, you can trust that feeling of reals always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. That also makes me think in this situation, it makes me think of how much money affects these type of friendships. Money affects friendships in general, but with these type of friendships, how much impactful it is. Because then I think of like Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum of like, wasn't there like criticism because they're supposed to be like these joint stars. Mm -hmm. But when one's getting paid more than the other, that makes it so then one, it's only one star, not two. There's like a clear hierarchy. I don't yeah. know how you guys feel about that one. I never even thought about it like that, to be honest. Yeah. This is me reading the pettiness on Twitter. <laughs> That's this, is, this is what I'm gathering. <laughs> yeah, nah, it's it's definitely, you know, money, money plays a major issue because, because of the salary cap, right? It's not like you could just pay whoever you want because of how you feel about them. Like if you're if you're paying one guy, you're not paying another guy. That's right. basically what it is. Like there's only a certain amount of money they have to go around because they don't want to pay certain taxes. But I think it's how much things. they were packaged as this like combo deal though. Or maybe that's just how what I saw it as. Well, that, well, the thing was they both, you know, they've been probably the best duo in the league for the past several years and they haven't won an NBA championship. So there's that pressure of, oh, these guys, could they even play together? Is this a duo that is able to win a championship? Add to the fact that they're super accomplished. They got a bunch of all NBA nods, which make them both uh, eligible for Supermax deals. And now with these new Supermax deals, Jalen Brown got paid what, $300 million for the next five or six years? Some ridiculous number. And Jason Tatum is eligible for the same sort of deal next year. So it's like, not only do you guys got to be on the same page, but, you know, we are investing close to a billion dollars into two players. <laughs> Y'all better bring home some championships or else we got to break this thing up. I don't know. I don't necessarily know if it's pettiness, though, because I think with, with Tatum, especially with the Celtics, 
I don't necessarily know if Tatum and Brown are the best of friends. Like, they don't necessarily strike mm-hmm. me as yeah. guys that are like they're just ride good or die teammates, homies. So they they're play just, well together. Yeah. Yes. They're just, yeah, they're yeah. just great players with good attitudes, but they don't strike me as guys that are like, they don't seem like, uh, Who's a good friendship in the NBA right now? They don't seem like the Splash Brothers, I guess. Right, right, it's right. not even like they're super close, but they're, they've been tied to the hip with one another. They don't seem like LeBron and Anthony Davis. They don't seem like a lot of these guys that, you know, if you catch Jason Tatum out at an LMA concert, right, right. <laughs> Jalen Brown isn't behind them kicking it, right? Like, you, yeah. you know, I don't think I've ever seen them kick it outside They, they just aligned on a goal. The you got work friends. Yeah. You got work friends, man. Like, work <laughs> friends is fine. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. Like, as long as it doesn't get away in the way of the ultimate goal, like, I'm I'm team work friends. Like, there's yeah. folks that I kick it with heavily <laughs> when I'm doing this. And then when I go to be with my family and kick it with people I've known my entire life, I, I want to be with them. And there's nothing against you. It's just how I'm built. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's, we talk about this all the time. There's different types of friendships, like, yeah. for, for whatever the scenario but and work friends make it awkward too man like you never want to be at a, at a at a function where like somebody the work friend is there yeah and the work <laughs> friend is there and you see them doing some stuff depending on where your job is it's like ah, i'm gonna look at you differently tomorrow at nine o'clock <laughs> you know? so seeing work friends in other places sometimes isn't necessarily the best thing but that, it, it depends it really does all depend i also i think we we talked about lebron earlier but i feel like lebron is great at being friends with Team like people from other rival teams. Like I feel like hasn't he been seen like on vacation with like Draymond, and he's like friends with Steph. Like I feel like that's, but I guess that comes with how we all describe LeBron to be. Yeah, people don't really like that though. That's not really jiggy. Yeah, in real life. I didn't catch that on Twitter. Nah, yes, no, nah, because it's like you know you wanna you still wanted to feel like you know a rival. Yeah, and so to see you know like there's a rivalry between Golden State and LeBron. You know what I'm saying? Like, when I think about it, because LeBron could be on any team and that rivalry gets picked up whatever whatever team he's on. And so, to to see, like, Draymond, you know, they represented by the same, like, Draymond's with Clutch. So, this, to hear all of the back stuff is like, well, it's not like a real rivalry. I mean, you know what I'm saying? It doesn't feel as intense as it looks on the court when they go on, on you know, fucking so vacation So, take together. away a little bit of that magic if you are on, like, one of those teams where you're like, oh, they're not really rivals while you're watching the I wouldn't game? be. Su- I wouldn't be surprised if the players... Uh, I would not be surprised if uh, LeBron's teammates would look at him a little funny. Get annoyed? I, would, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> Quite. But that's the thing, though, man. He's LeBron James. Facts, it's facts. like, what are you, you going to do? Right, right, like, right. <laughs> like, that's, that's, that's what makes the dynamics crazy. That's what makes it work on the other side, too. We talk about, you know, somebody who is, uh, has literally all the power in the NBA. Outside of Adam Silver, LeBron James is probably the most powerful person in the league. And if he feels like it's a it's, it's something that he wants to do and kick it with other people on, on other teams, that's fine. My thing is, LeBron is a child of the social media era, so this is just the first time. I, I don't think it, it's. I don't think, that, in my opinion, this is the first time we've seen a person of this stature just kick it with rivals. But it's the first time we can see it every day. It's the first Facts, time we can yep. pull up our mm. phone and see it. Because Michael Jordan did the same thing. He was Everybody with Barkley. Else, Bar- he used to kick it heavy with Barkley. Night before, <laughs> Atlantic City, smoking cigars, drinking, all gambling, doing all that, kicking it heavy with dudes. Even, even in that last dance doc, there was people saying, like, you know, 
I used to hate MJ because he would, you know, I forgot which coach said it, but he basically said like, oh, you're out here kicking it with us and, and trying to be all buddy-buddy. And then, you know, <laughs> the next day you're, you're trying to like cut their throat out. And it's like, yeah, that's mm-hmm. what he's trying to do. <laughs> like, hey, that's, that's all part of his competitive but advantage. But how much that affects the friendship from the other side, knowing that this is you hanging out with Jordan one night and then the next day he has a vendetta towards you, but I guess that's that's how the game goes. I would hope so. I would right. hope so. I mean, we've seen it. I think uh, I've seen it the earliest with LeBron and D-Wade when they were on opposite teams. And even though they were, they were clearly good friends and they kicked it heavily, when they played each other, they went they they went at each other. Absolutely. Like Wade will have 40 and LeBron will have 40 and like talking trash, like saying all this type of stuff. And at the end of the day, they, they'd hug it out and like, love you, bro. And, I do believe, um, you know, an understated part of all that is the fact that, like, a lot of these NBA guys make way more money now than a lot of the dudes yeah. ever have. How much How much can you really hate a guy when yeah. you're both, like, $100 million dudes and you're getting to play a kid's game for, you know, for, for your career? <laughs> you know, I think, obviously, probably, it, it might have been a lot less in the 90s because there was a lot less money to go around. And, like, yeah, like, you needed that extra edge to be able to beat this certain dude in the playoffs. So you can go up to your agent in the offseason and be like, hey, I beat Charles Barkley and the Suns. I need to get paid X amount of dollars now. Right, but, right. You know, I, I just think the league is in such a place where everybody is making so much money. And a lot of these kids come from AAU system and travel team systems where it's like, it's not the first time. When you play somebody in the NBA, it's not the first time you've seen them. Back in the day, a lot of times, that was the first time you'd see a lot of guys. It's the first time you play against a lot of guys. Look, now dudes in, in high school are traveling around the country playing against the top 100 high school players for four, five, six years before they even sniff the NBA. By the time they get there, it's like, that's that's my homie. Like, I used yeah, to... Yeah, yeah, that's you true. Know? So it's, it's, it's just a different time. It's a different league. And, you know, these guys are humans at the end of the day, but they still have that healthy competitive edge. Whereas you, you want to kill your friend too. Like, you know, so... <laughs> yeah. Nothing wrong with that. I was going to say that, uh, at least with winning time, like, I think I... When I think of rivals turned friends, as far as like Magic and Larry Bird, I feel like I knew of that rivalry, right? But I guess I saw the more like dramatics of Larry Bird in that <laughs> in that show. Mm-hmm. But how did you guys feel about that? Because that was a rivalry turned friendship, like with like at least very respectful. And yeah, all that. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I think I think with any sport, there's always after you've done battle, and you know you see they pushed each other, right? Like, you know, like as great as Magic and Larry were, they wouldn't get to these greater heights if they didn't have each other to push them. You know, if, you know, Magic doesn't come out of college and in in Michigan State and goes crazy against Indiana and then they see each other in the finals and then Magic wins his first title and Larry beats him twice and then beat... And, and, you know, it's like every year you have 365 days after those finals to, to, you know, put that face on the bulletin board and... (laughs) Be yeah. like, I gotta get this guy. But right. after a while, after it's done, after you know, after the war is over, I think there's a healthy respect that you gain from him. And I think obviously the fact that, you know, Magic and Larry's careers were kind of both sort of cut short, you know, for different reasons. I think that helped, you know, accelerate the respect towards one another, where it wasn't so much cutthroat competition. It was more of, yo, we helped save this league. We've Absolutely. helped like we've helped these franchises become legendary franchises. And now we, you know, both of us have lives that we could never could have lived 
if it wasn't for each other, you know, it's like it's like seeing Tyson the Holyfield hang out now and 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 just <laughs> be homies and and all that type of stuff. It's I think that's the beauty the beauty of sport and and the beauty of competition is that a lot of times your best the person that uh, brings the most out of you or the, is the best person for you is the person that's your rival, the person that pushes you and and gets you to a place that you probably couldn't have got on your own if you just had a smooth sailing. You needed somebody just as good as you that didn't like you, that wanted to beat your ass. You got to have that person beat your ass a few times before you climb that mountain or else it's not, you know, there's, there's really no reward at the end of it. I have a question, actually. So, boom, yeah. so... <laughs> So I think like the 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 friendship, the one of the best teammate friendships I would say is like Katie and like uh, Westbrook during that time. Okay. okay. So I got a question for both of y'all based off of y'all sports analogies and thoughts, right? None. But go no, ahead. but yeah. I mean, this is just friendship <laughs> shit at the end of the day. So it's like, do you do you think it was betrayal? Is is it seen as betrayal for Katie to chase his goals? Because his goal was to win the championship, right? And obviously him and Westbrook had like a, a good thing going on and they, you know, they were friends. They definitely hung out. They was in a small city. So, you know, naturally you're just gonna, you're gonna hang out a lot more. You could have, you could have went anywhere, bro. You went to the team that to, like, just beat, that you. beat you. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, and just, I don't know Russell Westbrook personally, but from what I see from afar, he seems like a person that wouldn't really roll that way. Like, he right. seems like a person that is, he's an intense dude, you know what I mean? And <laughs> a lot of times, I think people really thought of him as the alpha over KD because as skilled as KD is and is probably the one of the most skilled players we've ever seen in the league, you know, a lot of people probably think he's a little bit passive. He has much more of a passive sort of personality. And I think people looked at it as sort of a weak move because it's like, dude, like, you're good enough to carry a team on your own. You don't need to go and join up a super team to make it unfair for everyone. But <laughs> let's talk about love. Um, what are your guys's some? I know you guys mentioned like a little bit, but what are you guys' like, honestly, favorite friendships that you watched throughout the times that you've been watching basketball? I would I would say I would say while it while it mattered, Penny and Shaq. Yeah, Penny that, and Shaq was cool. That felt real, real, real good. <laughs> Penny that, Shaq was, is real cool. that was a new franchise. Penny was like my favorite basketball player. Shaq was fucking Shaq. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. They both had dope pairs sneakers. You know what I'm saying? That friendship felt fun from what I've yeah, know it was, of it. It was it was young. It had energy, you know, especially like me coming up as a kid and watching basketball. It felt uh young and fresh. And so when they were together, it, it just was, it was probably the best. It, that's when, for me, basketball like, became fun outside of like the Bulls, right? It's like, yo, Shaq and, and, and Penny? Nah, they different. <laughs> <laughs> Man, um, I, I have a couple that I have in mind, but they've kind of aged terribly. <laughs> Uh, I'd, I'd probably stick go with the Fab Five, like from That's Michigan, Michigan Wolverines, man. Jalen Rose, Chris Webber, Juwan Howard, Jimmy King. Um, just what they brought to basketball culture could never be measured. Like they are the golden children of what is now the name and likeness era in amateur sports, right? Like though, without the Fab Five. And the way they came in, all five freshmen all together, going straight to the national championship. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And they brought a swagger Absolutely. to it. Like you would see their interviews together and like you would see how they would, you know, hitting the 
and the bankhead bounce and, and doing the cabbage patch and all these type of things. Like they brought hip hop to major sports for me um, as a collective. Like there were definitely people out there, like, you know, the prime times and, you know, the Ken Griffey juniors, the people that really brought like, you know, culture and swag to sports. But, you know, the Fab Five for me, you know, is is top of the line. You know, I, I know they've been recent falling outs with Chris Webber and Rose and all that type of stuff. But like as it happened, what they did for basketball players everywhere, from the style, from how they played, they they didn't need to win a national championship. They're more influential than almost any college basketball Absolutely. team I could ever think of. You We're know, really like special. that's how that's how big they were. So I, I I go with the Fab Five, man. I love those guys. I just love when friendships also kind of like cross the line to also being friends with like family. Like I feel like you've seen a lot of that after Kobe's passing. Like that his actual teammates are Ooh, there in support man. of like Pagasol. Kobe and him. Yeah. And I just remember watching that speech uh, after he passed that he gave and how he's still very like supportive of Vanessa Man. and his daughters. I feel like he's like their uncle almost. Like I feel like those friendships are really special when mm. they pass. Like they're also with family as well. Yeah, that's uh that's a good one. Mm-hmm. I love, I love seeing the relationship that Pal uh, has had with the Bryants ever since Kobe passed away. Like he's definitely stepped up or you could see just how much he cares and has stepped up for, you know, uh, Vanessa and, Kobe's daughters, you know, like pal, the way he just speaks about Kobe and 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 being in their life is is you know it, it always gets me choked up watching him talk about Kobe and seeing like how how his death sort of affected their relationship, man. Um, that's always a good one. Uh, I, you know, a, a good friendship that I love, I love Allen Iverson and everybody. <laughs> like every, like Allen Iverson is he has the, stories for everyone right I feel like I saw oh, a new video man. kind of like come up the other day I love Allen Iverson because he only gives like he just exudes love facts anytime you see it like he is the ultimate OG like you will watch so many old NBA players They'll get a microphone. They'll talk about the current game. Like, oh, the game ain't this anymore. Da, 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 da. They all kind of su- sound like some haters, to be honest. Like, <laughs> they they kind of like they sound like the old man yelling at the cloud all the time. Mm. Not Iverson. <laughs> Iverson is the ultimate love giver, bro. Like he'll, uh, you know, whether it's Dwayne Wade, whether it's Steph Curry, like you almost gotta force your flowers to Allen Iverson because he'll never take them. He'll always just be like, man, like, yo, this guy's this, this guy's that. I'm like, bro, do you realize you are Allen Iverson? Mm. Like, do you realize <laughs> how great you were in that sense? And it's, and it's, and it's, and it's received as well. Anytime he walks into any arena, like he gives the longest hugs. He gives the longest daps. Like he is, I, I love the energy that he brings throughout the NBA, man, because he is just the opposite of an old hater, man. He's a cool, <laughs> he's the complete opposite. He's still just as cool as he was when he was in his 20s with the with the cornrows and the and the baggy clothes and everything. He's still just as cool. He's just an OG now. And everybody, I don't know nobody. I don't know nobody in the NBA that's that said a bad word about Allen Iverson in, in, in this era, like as an OG. Do you feel the same, Stephen? Yeah, that's it. That he hit it on the head. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Nah, he's he's the uh, his energy. You know what I'm saying? He's even, got good energy, right? Yeah, he like, got good energy. <laughs> he always had good energy, even like when he was young and he was hooping. You know, we everybody admired him in the NBA. Like he crossed Mike. Mike had to respect it. 
And it was and a lot of the times his game spoke first and then the love came second and the love was strong. It was real. Mm-hmm. But the game was like, nah, you could tell that he hooping. Like he really hooping. Like he might have missed practice a couple of times, but he definitely hooping. And that was and that was dope. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? It was good. It was good. And that's that's a while you bring up practice, man. Like the the practice rant. We talk that about everybody practice. talks about. Everybody talks about that practice rant. And everybody thinks he was over here tripping on practice, man. Like one of his best friends had just died that like right. the day before. <laughs> right? Like, and he was like, he was, he was still in mourning. Like the right. reason why he missed practice is because like somebody very close to him like just lost his life. And then he goes and gives one of the most quoted rants in the history of sports media. And everybody thinks, oh, he's just a guy who just just didn't want to go to practice. Like, nah, man, that's a dude that was up there hurting that because he lost somebody that was close to him. But but, yeah. but you couldn't be vulnerable in the NBA at a certain point. No. And no. that's just what it is. We didn't, you know, like fans even, like fans didn't understand that, yo, when I leave the court, ain't even about, <laughs> ain't about basketball. I got a family. I'm trying to, I'm trying to situate my finances. I'm trying to grow as an individual outside the NBA. And when I step on the court, now it's time to play ball. We didn't under, we didn't understand that. Uh, the the news, ESPN, then nobody understood that at the time, and it was just all about him not making practice. It's crazy. It's crazy. But like knowing knowing that now and seeing the type of person he is, it, it totally tracks, right? right, right like right. that's a person who wears his heart on his sleeve, and you know if you if he got love for you, he got love for you to the bitter end. I like the fact that we could end this episode with Alan Iverson. Sorry. This whole, <laughs> but I appreciate you guys. But is there anything else you guys want to add? Uh, nah, I'm chilling. Oh, no. Listen, listen to the Mass Man <laughs> Show on the Ringer Podcast Network every Monday and Thursday with myself, David Shoemaker, and uh, Brian Waters, Jonathan Kerman. Man, we talk about wrestling and stuff. It's great. Right. Check it that, out. That I know nothing. Uh, I, I know all wrestling. Nah, nah, nah. Next episode, we talk about uh, love, uh, friendships, and wrestling. I mean, we can. <laughs> I just in. know. I, got you. I, I used to watch wrestling with my dad, so I know, like, you know, the Macho Man and like all those. But I don't know what's going on right now. So hey, maybe man, I, I should. I, get, I should be the one that be listening to your podcast. Actually, oh, listen, but I yes. can give you. I can give you whole seminars on friendship <laughs> and wrestling. Okay. All but, right, guys. So wrestling and, and friendship. That's what's next. <laughs> friendship is the backbone of great professional <laughs> so, wrestling. That's all it is. I could. I that's could, interesting, though. Got you. <laughs> But thank you. Thank you for joining me, guys. And thank you for listening. If you have any thoughts or feels about NBA friendships, hit us up via email. What about your friends pod at gmail.com. Talk to you next week. Bye.